Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Zach Berman, and we're at the Novacare Complex Wednesday before the Eagles are to face the Dallas Cowboys for the first time this season. And again, they have a number of injuries to account for. Doug Peterson gave us an update on a number of them. More good news, though. More good news. Darren Sproles is back. Sounds like he'll play Sunday. Lane Johnson is practicing, at least limited, according to per, uh, Peterson. And he is expected to play Sunday well, as well, despite a grade two MCL sprain. Uh, among the other injuries, though, uh, Sidney Jones, Jalen Mills weren't at practice at the start of practice. So my guess is that they, they won't be back by Sunday. But they did get a few guys back. Corey Graham, Nate Gary. Tim Jernigan, we saw, we know about him coming back, but uh, this is the first time we saw him in pads at practice. Doesn't sound like he'll be ready by Sunday, Zach. But all that being said, positive news, especially with Sproles and Johnson, likely to play Sunday. Yeah, the bye week was good for the Eagles. They got on that plane back from London with a lot of injury questions. Uh, For Lane Johnson to be playing, and it looks like he's down that path, like you said, even if he's banged up, he's still your Pro Bowl right tackle. He's a tough guy. We've seen that. Uh, he missed last year's Carolina game because of a concussion on a short week. Outside of that, I can't think of a game that he's missed because of injury. He's missed games because of suspension, but he's a tough player. He's out there. Um, and then Darren Sproles, they've missed him since week one. And I'm real curious what his role is going to be. They really committed to having him as a running back, running the ball in week one. Uh, the Eagles like the way Josh Adams is running now. Corey Clement, Wendell Small would all have roles. I think it's going to be very much a committee approach back there. Yeah, let's look specifically at those two guys. I mean, you mentioned Sproles, that he'll probably return punts. But having him back on third down, I think, will be will be helpful. Oh, absolutely. Best best pass blocking running back they had. And I think he's probably their best receiver out of the backfield as well. I agree with that. Although Corey Clement was their leading receiver in the Super Bowl. True. I mean, Clement, but, but he hasn't, hasn't really been doing it this year. Hasn't yeah. been doing it this year. I don't know if that's his fault, if that's the scheme, et cetera. Uh, but Sproles uh, coming back does give him one more body at that position. Now, the Lane Johnson injury is a little more complicated in that you know Sproles is probably back to being completely healthy. Lane will not be completely healthy. Uh, you know that's typically a four week injury for for a lot of guys. Maybe for you know wide receiver, defensive back, where you have to run a little more. Um, you mentioned you know how tough he is to playing through injury, but you know he's going up against one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, this will probably put him in a little bit of a disadvantage against Demarcus Lawrence. But would you rather have Lane Johnson at, let's say, 75% or Big V at 100%? I'd rather have Lane Johnson. Um, he's, he's your Pro Bowl right tackle. And I think Lane uh, is my guess, and, and we'll have a chance to talk to him this afternoon. But my guess is Lane's the one calling the shots here that he's saying he can play. Um, he's got a very high pain tolerance. He's played through... As you reported, a high ankle sprain this year. I don't know how he's going to be affected by it, but my guess is he's going to play. Zach, the secondary is still a little bit of a mess with Cindy Jones and Jalen Mills is likely to be out Sunday. You know, they've had the mix and match in that, uh, on that back end pretty much all season. How do you think it's going to play out? What do you think the lineman is going to be on Sunday? Yeah, so they can go a few different ways. My guess is, well, they're going to have Rasul Douglas as the starting outside cornerback in place of Jalen Mills. Big questions in the slot. I can see them, when they're in nickel, moving Avante Maddox down from safety to slot cornerback and playing Corey Grant, who's back now as the deep safety. That would be my guess. The other option, they can put Craven LeBlanc, who they just uh, acquired at slot cornerback. 
I think they would trust Corey Graham on the field more. Vontae Maddox, that's a big matchup you have going up against Cole Beasley. So I think that's the direction it'll go. But, you know, I mean, they have thrown guys out there. Uh, you know, they threw Dexter McDougal out there in the slot. And, you know, I knew he, I knew he, that he had played in the scheme last year. But, but they didn't have a third safety then. No, no they, they didn't have a third trust. safety. Corey Graham wasn't playing exactly at a high level before his injury. Well, I mean, they had to make yeah. the move to put Maddox back there because Graham couldn't handle it. I don't think they viewed Graham as an every-down player, though. I think they viewed Graham in the role that they had him last year. And, uh, that's that's the role that I think he'll play. All you do now is you have Avante Maddox in that Rodney McLeod role. Um, but, yeah, but even with that, last year they played a lot of dime. Um, when Corey Graham was on the field, this year it's more nickel and you're keeping two linebackers. Nonetheless, I think you you move Maddox down to the slot. That's that's my guess for what they'll do. Okay, um, we've been wrong there before. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think McDougal played as much as he did, and he did. Uh, poor, uh, deci- I mean, looking back upon it, not a good move. I think personnel wise. Yeah, I mean, they they needed someone who could play the slot. I think they wanted someone who knew the system. I don't think he was the caliber player that they needed. Clearly, they made this move. They didn't bring LeBlanc in. For a long-term thing here, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBlanc's out there, but uh, they have to view him as an upgrade for McDougal. That's why they made. Well, I mean, I don't think there's only one way to go, one place to go after McDougal. I mean, he was brutal in London. I mean, he couldn't even yeah. keep his footing. Half yeah, the that time. was a slippery field. Yeah, well, it was a slippery field, but I mean, he was only one slipping twenty sure. times during the t- course of the game. I just, I just, you know, I'm just looking back on it. He could have cost them the game, and that would have, to me, fallen on. Well, I mean. The combination of personnel and the coaching staff. I mean, Jim Schwartz is the one who threw him out there. I know that you don't, you don't have many options, but there were probably better, I think, uh, alignments that you could have gone with than had McDougal out there. And they clearly they saw the mistake. They yanked the guy not not too long after. You're not a McDougal guy. No, I'm not. I'm not okay. a guy. I, I just think that they deserve to be criticized yeah. for that. Yeah. They made it, you know, I understand you have injuries and stuff like that, but you know, um, they made a mistake. Uh, we'll see how they do now. I mean, I, I I said back then, and I stand by it. The move I would have made all along was playing Rasul Douglas on the outside. Like I would have gone with your best combination of five players. I still say that. That's why I say do this now. Like even if you have to move someone from outside to the slot, safety to the slot, yeah. play your best five players in the nickel. That's why I wonder if they even have Douglas out there on the outside in place of Mills because it just seems like Jim is trying to find any reason not to play him. He's the only option. I'm kind of yeah. saying that in jest. But, um, you know, they've, they've managed, I guess, in some games to survive the injuries they've had in the back end. Um, but I think it would be a complete – Shock if either Mills or Jones be ready by Sunday. Um, Jernigan. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about his return, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be back for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was out there practicing. He's got to be back at some point within the next three, the next three games. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought him off NFI. But, you know, what should, what should we expect from him when he does return? I, I can't imagine more than just a, you know, certain amount of snaps um, just to kind of ease him back in, as long as the other guys are healthy. Yeah, I, I disagree. You and think I, they'll just I go full board? I think after two, three weeks of practice, I think he's in there as your starting defense tackle. Now, he only played 48% of the snaps well, that's what I'm saying. last right. year. So you're not talking about a guy who's taking 70% of the snaps. But I think he's he, he'll take the second most snaps at defense tackle after Fletcher Cox. He'll play more than Haloti Nada. That's, that's, that's my guess. I think they're, they'll view Tim Jernigan. Like he's their number two defense tackle. Certainly, uh, you know, help to the to that unit in the middle. 
Um, any other injuries I'm missing, Zach? <laughs> I mean, some some down the depth chart ones when you talk about Nate Gary. Nate Gary's back. Yeah. So uh, no, and and then I think the other thing we do need to keep our eyes on here is Matt Collins and Richard Rodgers were working out on a side field. Uh, the Eagles have a decision that they can make with both those players. Both those guys went on IR week one. Uh, then Wallace went on IR after week two, so during week three. Um, so the Eagles are going to have to bring – they'll make a decision on bringing two of those three players back, and it could be in these next few weeks when you see that coming. So, so who do you see coming back of those three? Well, my guess would be Rodgers is probably the most – the furthest along of those three. But, I mean, I don't – you know, you're, you're going to have a tough time getting Dallas Goddard on the field. Well, would you rather have Rodgers or, or Josh Perkins right now? Well, I, mean, I don't know if that's the question. I mean, it, let's just say they're both – let's say Hollins and, and Rodgers Let's say you are, can have all three. Who you bring – you bring back – Yes, yeah, so I'm saying if you're saying all three, I'm, I'm not bringing back – I'm bringing Hollins back before Richard Rodgers. All right, so so then you look at your wide receiver core. Are you cutting Jordan Matthews? Well, because uh, – just let me real quick. Perkins has a role on special teams. So sure. Would Rodgers have a Rogers role? Rodgers would too, yes. But, would, I mean, I don't know. I think they, I think they like Perkins in that, in that yeah. spot. Um, but anyway, what was your second, second point? Yeah, so – you have to look two receivers. You just added Golden Tate. They cut DeAndre Carter, but you you have kind of this this top four group right right now, and then you have Shelton Gibson, who's your fifth receiver. And when I say top four, I, I mean Alshon, Nelson Aguilar, Golden Tate, Jordan Matthews, and then you have Shelton. So Gibson. you would bring back Richard Rogers because well, looking at what they have on the roster right now, it'd be easier to cut bait with him than it would be with Jordan Matthews. Well, I, I, I know you're going to bring at least one receiver back. I'm saying, are you cutting Jordan Matthews this year? Are you cutting Shelton Gibson this year? Are you counting no, seven mean, receivers I, well, because or I, six receivers? Well, I think Jordan Matthews probably would have to go before Shelton Gibson because, because of special teams. Sure. Gibson has a role. I mean, he's a clearly defined role as a gunner. So, so that's why I'm saying maybe you bring back Matt Collins, helps on special teams. He's a sixth receiver for right, you. Right, and you get rid of Perkins. You, yeah, you carry six wide receivers. And carry six wide you receivers. You can get by two tight ends. No, or, or, or no. If if you promote, what I'm saying is, if you promote Rodgers and you promote Hollins, uh, and then you cut from another position to make room, a trace hole type. Well, that's that's, th- that's assuming they can bring back both. I mean, obviously they can bring back both. That's assuming both are able to come back and play. Yeah, I think Hollins and and Rogers are the guys who are going to be in position. To come yeah, back. I, mean, I, I agree. I agree with you that I think Wallace is it's yeah. more of a question. Yeah, yeah. My my guess is that if they can bring either of those guys back uh, at a certain point, maybe just kind of bite the bullet on Wallace, especially with with Golden Tate here now. We're really getting down to the. I know, I know. Well, I like it. Our, our, our listeners are going to. Enjoy we've it. talked a lot about Golden Tate, or at least we did last podcast. But this is the first time we talked to Doug Peterson. First time we talked to Carson Wentz since that acquisition. Doug, um, you know, Doug didn't say that he pounded the table for Tate, but certainly his, his voice was heard and it seemed like he was concerned about how things would work out. If you bring this guy in, in terms of personnel. And we've talked a little bit about that. There is some crossover with Nelson Aguilar, but there are some um, differences between the two of them. How do you think it's going to work out um, with the group that they have now? We're going to see less of Nelson. We can see less of Dallas. I think we're certainly going to see less of Jordan Matthews. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think you see less Jordan Matthews. I think you see less Dallas Goddard. You see more 11 personnel uh, with Aguilar and Tate on the field. Um, I think both will take turns in the slot and outside. Uh, but but I, I think that's the way they're going to go. Matthews' role is going to be reduced. Goddard, he's not going to be a 50%, 60% snap player. 
Uh, and I, I think they're going to make it work with Tate. Look, I understand the duplication. I, w- I would say, though, Doug Peterson, this is on you. You're the game plan guy. You you put this together. Figure it out. Make it work. Make we're, it work. Uh, if, if I'm Howie, I'm saying, Doug, I'm, I'm giving you the talent here. Make it work. Yeah, my guess is that we'll see more of Aguilar on the outside than we do. Is that a bad thing? Tate. Uh, I think that takes a little bit away from, from Aguilar's uh, uh, talents, but – I mean, but you have Tate in, in the middle. I think Tate's yeah. a better slot receiver yeah. than than Nelson Aguilar. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah. Although Nelson was very productive there last year, he was. No, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Nelson. I just think Golden is a little more reliable. And and this goes back to the point you made the other day, which was the need was really a burner on the outside more than another offensive playmaker was having that burner on the outside because of what that does for Nelson. They're hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. They are hard to find. So, I mean, Nelson certainly has that skill set, but we saw earlier in his career how it just – it didn't really um, – it didn't really – there wasn't really much of a uh, – uh, didn't really transfer as much there, I thought, um, the, the speed uh, on the outside. Yeah. I think he was kind of neutralized in some way because he isn't a physical re- receiver. So and you've so got to be a little physical out there unless you're totally – like Deshaun Jackson, you just blow the doors off the top I agree. of the defense. And and look, they just got to figure out. There's going to be a lot of different personnel groupings. They got to figure out the the best five skill best five skill position players out there. Whether it's one running back, two tight ends, two receivers, one running back, one tight end, three receivers, three receivers, two tight ends. I'm I'm curious with with this. We spoke earlier in this podcast about Darren Sproles coming back. If you had to guess. Who plays the most snaps the rest of the way at running back, and who has the most carries the rest of the way at running back? Um, I, I still think Smallwood's probably gonna get the most carries. Really? Okay. I mean, not yeah. Adams. Uh, maybe Doug said emergence of Josh Adams. My, my th- yeah, well, yeah, I know. My thing is just one game. I mean, I like some. Mm-hmm. I like some uh, some of what I saw from Adams earlier. Uh, I think they were also still kind of easing him into the offense. In terms of his knowledge, and you know, look, he, they haven't really used him much on third down, so that almost takes yeah. him out of that equation. But Sproles is going to be used that way. But Sproles will be used that way. Um, I mean, I, I'm an Adams guy. I've been an Adams guy since I yeah. first saw him out here. Uh, um, I thought he deserved to be in the 50, 53 originally. I was a little surprised when they cut him and they kept uh, Smallwood. Doug seems to like Smallwood, though. Um, Who takes the most snaps, Sproles? Yeah, probably Sproles if he stays healthy. Uh, I want to get back to wide receiver just real okay. quickly. I mean, there, there's look, there's plenty of formations that you can have where you have two slot receivers and you have just one guy on the outside, et cetera. But there are a lot of plays, um, the, you know, when you do go with three wide receivers, where you have to have two guys split wide. I mean, you want to you want to mm-hmm. have the element of a deep threat there to create space, whatever whatever kind of um, whatever kind of uh, receiver patterns you're running out there. So someone's going to have to be. I hate, well, hate to say the odd man out. Well, but Golden Tate's done it before. I mean, before he is, but but if you look at it, but if you look at his career, especially in, in Detroit, he hasn't done it in a long time. And even when he did it in Seattle, he wasn't as effective. Well, he did it in Detroit before they added Kenny Galladay last year. You know, he was playing on the outside side. So yeah, but his yeah. numbers, if you look at his yeah. his slot numbers, he's still like seventy percent in the slot. And then sometimes, if I mean, I really didn't see many. I didn't see many plays. I watched every single um, throw to him. So I didn't see every play. This season? Yeah. yeah, but I don't think any of his catches came when he lined up outside. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you can you could say maybe he wasn't like technically in the slot, whatever, but like this is, you know, straight almost flanker, line up near the sidelines, boom. 
yeah. a long wide receiver route. That's just not his. That's not his thing. He can do it, and he can catch deep passes. But his deep passes caught were out of the slot. He's running double moves out of the slot. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't think the vertical games may be a big part of what they do with him. I no, which good. is which is yeah. fine. I mean, and we, we've seen in previous weeks that Jordan Matthews caught a long touchdown. He got behind the defense. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey got behind the defense on that pass interference penalty um, against uh, in the was it the Vikings game or the Panthers game? I forget which one it was. But so there are ways to get guys the ball down the field, um, but teams aren't going to have to worry as much about that. I think with with the group they have in there, and that's fine. I mean, you can look. It's not just about space. It's also about personnel. It's about you know how you can defend this guy. Okay, well, we got four good guys. They get, they you got to defend. I mean, you're looking at it. You got Ertz. Let's say you got Ertz, Aguilar, Jeffrey, and Tate out there. I mean, that's four above average receivers that you have to worry about there on any given play. Where's the ball going? Yeah. I mean, you can't double all four of those guys. Well, that's that's why they made this trade. More no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I can understand the trade. Um, Carson uh, talked a little bit about Tate. I mean, he, he didn't really kind of go out there on a limb in terms of how much production he thinks he's going to get, how early the, they're going to be able to develop the chemistry. But do you think that he'll end up being primary target? No. Ertz is still that guy. Ertz and Alshon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ertz and Alshon, but I, I think he's going to keep defenses honest. I think there's going to be a lot of designed plays for Golden Tate. That's my guess, especially because he's coming in at this point. I think they're going to put in plays where it's like, all right, this is poor. Well, that's the way it was in Detroit. There were many times when they're dropping back in progression reads and he's the third. You know, they're, they're throwing him in the third read or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's short passes. This play is designed to go to him. And I think that's good for Carson. Uh, I think Carson can use that. I know we've, we've talked here about completion percentage. Um, it's up around the league. It's up with Carson. And I think part of that is make high percentage throws. Trust your receivers. Um, and I, I think Golden Tate's really going to be a big part of that. And you've talked a, a lot about the, you know, the short passing game, mm-hmm. supplementing the run game. They've tried to do that with Nelson. It hasn't worked. The results just haven't been there. And I yeah. think that's a big, a big reason why they went out and got Golden Tate. They look at the running back crew that don't have a JHI anymore. They don't have a LeGarrette Blount, a guy that they can rely on on first and second down, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I think, and I should say this is more informed opinion, but um, – from from what I sense, the Eagles think their biggest third down problems are getting in the third and long situations, or not not having third and manageable. And they can look at, at penalties as one part of it, but they also look at, at not getting enough positive yards or, or good gains on first and second down. I think they would love if they can get a receiver who you can throw short to and get you six yards, get you eight yards. All of a sudden, you're in second and two, third and two. I think that's what the Eagles are really looking for with Tate. I think that's absolutely the appeal of Golden Tate. You saw a lot. That's what Detroit did a lot of times with a screen, and he'll take he'll take what could be a two or three yard pass. Even like when he's not breaking tackles, it's six yards yeah. with him because he can drag guys. Every and then time, sometimes he's taking them to that. He's taking them 20, 30, 35, 40 yards. Every time I've talked to someone here about fixing third down. Oh, I'm sorry, fixing the offense because I I I mentioned the point differential, obviously. It's not not having that deep threat on the outside. It's not that the offensive line's banged up. I keep hearing situational football. They're not playing well enough on third downs. They're not playing well but enough in the red but zone. But their numbers on third down aren't that bad. Well, they they got better. That Carolina game, they played real well on it. it yeah, but it, my so. yeah, I mean, so I'm saying but they like, were before that. They were they were eighth last year at forty four percent. They're thirteenth this year mm-hmm. at forty one percent. So it's not as good as it was yeah. last year. Red zone. Red zone's the big yeah. red zone. That to me is a bigger issue. But to me, the bigger issue is a lot of times that they're starting way behind the sticks. Is because 
aside from the penalties, there's been a lot of sacks. Yeah. Bad sacks. And it just goes back to my issue with the offensive line. I think I think the biggest issue right now in this offense is the off, is, is the line play. Okay. And, and that actually ties into something else Garson talked about. And it's a big issue right now is the fumbles. Like, are you concerned about those fumbles? Yeah. I mean, he, he, what he said, you know, you asked him about, you know, what kind of assessment did you make during the bye week as to your fumbles? And he said, you know, everyone kind of is different. Um, that's not entirely true. A number of them have come because of blindsided sacks. I mm-hmm. mean, to be frank, I don't know how much he can do in that regard. Maybe he's got to sense it a little more. Um, that's, that's a lot to put on his shoulders. I'm not one of these big blame Carson for the full fumbles thing. Okay. I mean, he's the quarterback. you got to, like, mention it, but I think there's a, a whole host of other reasons why it's happening. And, again, I go, as I mentioned, I think it's more in the offensive line. And I think you're right about that, and I think that's why these quick throws are going to be a big part of it. I think they're going to try to keep – to limit the hits on Carson. Um, don't take – Negate the rush yeah. with quick passing. Find the, the, those big plays when they're there. But really, not not force it, and I think that's going to be a big emphasis. And I think with Carson, we have seen a willingness. To, I mean, he's, he's he like hey, look, he likes to throw it down the field, so that's always going to be mm-hmm. there. That element's always going to be there. Now, he said today one of the reasons why he feels like his accuracy is taking a dramatic jump, ten percent jump, is because teams are playing them softer. I don't know. I don't know. He he probably would know better than we are uh, than we do whether that's true or not. I'm sure there's probably a little bit of uh, uh, truth to that. Um, I think it's just he's just better. I just think that he's making decisions quicker. Um, his, his, he doesn't have to worry as much about his mechanics. I think that's what's factored into it. But it's been the, a point of emphasis from him too. He mentioned it in the room we're sitting at during the off season. Absolutely. I mean, sixty percent is not yeah. good enough in today's NFL. You got to be up there in the, in the high sixties and and possibly in the seventies now, just the way offenses are catered. But uh, all interesting questions that maybe we'll get a little better uh, answer to on Sunday when the Eagles host the Cowboys. We'll talk to you in a few days to really preview that game. Look at the Dallas Cowboys, um, who are now 3-5, and five, two games behind the Redskins and a game behind the Eagles. All right, that's it for the Birds Out of View podcast. That's Zach Berman. I'm Jeff McClain, and we'll talk to you in a few days.